Welcome in. It's overtime. 1067 the fan. Tober time is what they were pitching on Grant and Danny. Should we Chris, you think we should roll with that? Is that something Tober time? Tober time? What are we what are we going with here? It's a good first draft, but I think it needs some tweaking. <laughs> yeah, I think it needs some tweaking. I do think it needs some tweaking. So we'll, we'll work on it. But we got to talk about this Commanders game yesterday. We we have to it's I'm not one who complains and our job's not hard. I'm not trying to do that. I talked about this a little bit the the last time I was on. I'm not complaining about it one bit. But it got to the point yesterday, and I don't know if I've ever had this in my entire life as just a football fan in general. It got to a point yesterday where I was frustrated with the committee's choice for the college football playoff, and that just absolutely set me off. And you follow that up with a butt whooping at FedEx Field. So it, it just wasn't good. It got to the point where during that first half of the Eagles and Niners game, I was like, do I even like football? <laughs> I was like, do I even like this anymore? What am I doing with my life? I, I could be reading a book, which I've never read a book, but maybe I could take that up. I, I could be watching some show on Netflix. I don't know. I could be listening to... Someone across the country on the Odyssey app talk about a winning football team. I don't know. But instead, I'm sitting here watching this misery. And that's kind of where I've gotten with this season. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm just done with it. And it's it's sad that it's gotten to that point. I don't know if I've ever personally gotten to that point as a fan. But that's where I'm at right now. I'm just done. Just absolutely done with the season. And it's it's a weird spot because, like I said, a lot of firsts. I don't know that I've been in this spot in terms of just being done with the season like I am, but it's also weird because the reason I'm so done with this season, yes, it's the bad play on the field, no doubt about it, but I'm so excited about the offseason and next year. I could not be more excited about what's coming down the pike that I'm so done with watching a horrible product every Sunday. And I can't even imagine what it's like to be the people that every single Sunday you go out to FedEx Field. This is what you've seen so far this year at FedEx Field. A combined record of 1-5. in five. The only win you've seen at FedEx Field this year was week one against the Arizona Cardinals when it still felt like there was hope. Then week three, they come back home after winning in Denver. They're 2-0. and 37-3 oh, to three lost to Buffalo. Then week five, a short week, Thursday night football. You're facing arguably the worst team in the league. 40-20, to 20, lost to the Chicago Bears. Week eight, okay, this is a decent one. 38-31 loss, though, again, to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then week 11, 31-19, loss to the New York Giants. And then yesterday, 45-15, loss to the Miami Dolphins. Your combined score of every game at FedEx Field this year for the Commanders is 207-108. to You're almost losing by 100 in six games at FedEx Field. So I can't even imagine. I'm the guy watching at home. I went to the Buffalo game, but I'm just the guy watching at home. Can you imagine being the guy sitting in the stands every single Sunday? That's what you do. You go out there, you tailgate. And look, I applaud you as a fan. I applaud you for going out to FedEx Field every Sunday and being a part of it. But just hearing some of the stories today, calling in friends and people calling in today saying, my experience was bad at the stadium. And that has nothing to do with the on-field product, which we already established is horrible. So it's gotten to a point where I am just so done with this season. 
If you want to chime in, feel free, 800-636-1067. You can also tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. But it's gotten to a point where it's really gotten sad for this team, and it's why I think, you know, if you want to get into firing Ron Rivera during the bye week, we didn't definitely get into that as well. But I think Danny brought up a good point towards the end of Grant and Danny when they were talking about maybe moving on from Ron Rivera. Yeah, you could just sit here and do nothing, and then ultimately at the end of the year, we understand what's coming down the pike. Like, he's done at the end of the year. We get that. They're going to hire a new GM. He's going to hire the head coach. It can all start over. We get that. And that's pretty much probably what's going to happen. But I, I like the notion that we're done seeing this. I get that it might not change anything. It might not change the results on the field. You know what? They might come back and lose even worse at home without Ron Rivera. It can't. It doesn't seem like it's possible, but it could happen. But it doesn't matter. You want to know why? Because the guy that's in charge of this whole thing, we said, we've had enough. We're done with it. And it's a message to the fans. And it's also a message to the team. Guess what? You thought he was guaranteed the rest of the year. He wasn't. Guess what? You think, oh, I'll be here for the entirety of my contract. <laughs> Guess what, bud? No, you're not. If you're not playing up to it, if you're not living up to it, adios. So I think you can really send a message if you were to move on. Again, I don't know that it's going to happen. I don't know that it's the right move, whatever. But it's gotten to the point, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that checked out before I did. But it's not as if I need to see them win every game. I understand all the arguments about draft position, but as a fan, just I'm done. I'm done with this year. I'm not done with the team. I'm not saying I'm jumping ship. I'm not saying I'm going to go cheer for the Ravens up the road. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying I'm done with this season. There's so much hope on the horizon. It's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you have like a vacation planned or when you're a kid, you know, you're going somewhere, you know, you can like look ahead and you're like, man, I got this, but you still got to finish school or something like that. That's kind of what it feels like, right? Where you're looking ahead and I'm like, man. This offseason, you hire the GM, they could have a top five pick, they're going to have an extra second rounder and a third rounder, 90 million in cap space. Man, that's going to be fun. We're just waiting for Santa. Exactly. And you look and you go down the road, you look at next year, you're like, they might have a new quarterback, who knows who the new head coach is going to be. It might be all exciting. And you look even further down the road, you're like, man, maybe they can turn things around pretty quickly. You look at the Dolphins and how they've turned things around. So you're like, okay, maybe this can all turn around. And you get excited about it. But then you look at your current state, you're like, man, this is depressing. Uh, man, this sucks. Because you're, like, excited about the team, and then you turn it on on Sunday, and you're like, man, are any of these guys even going to be a part of the team next year? Because none of these guys are really making an impact. You know, I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. and was like, how many of these guys are cornerstone, got to be here next year guys? And at the beginning of the year, I, I don't know about you, Chris, I think you could have named a few, right? Deron Payne, you would have thought. Jonathan Allen. Terry McLaurin, take your pick. You got any other, like Jahan Dotson even. Any other guys I'm missing here? Yeah, Dotson I probably would have. You know, you got Allen. You know, there's – Yeah. You at least had four or five guys. You're like, these guys are for sure the cornerstones. And now it's the point where John Allen's on the junkies today saying, man, I just – I got to win. It might not be here. He's not saying that he's requesting a trade. I heard that too, yeah. But he's kind of opening up the doors like, you know what? I might end up moving on down the road. Deron Payne. I haven't heard his name enough this year after getting a big contract. Honestly, how many guys would you stand on the table right now for and say, this guy needs to be a part of the team next year? For me, I'm doing Terry McLaurin. That's about it. And the only reason is because I've seen a big enough track record to believe that Terry's still a guy. And for whatever reason, 
Hey, he you just get some Montez Sweat level draft pick or something for him. He's gone too. You know, whatever. And that's the thing. Like, you can make the argument that if you get the right price for anybody, and that's a bad spot to be. But again, it's just a weird spot where you look down the road and you're like, man, there's hope. But you look at the current team, the current iteration, and it feels like there is none. It just zaps all that hope right back out of you. So I just want this season, honestly, to kind of finish off. And we can look ahead to when there's going to be hope. Because we're going to get into this a little bit later. Like, what are your off-season priorities? And rank them. Because honestly, if you went through the, all the positions, if you can name any position on a football team, that's probably a position of need. Just go through and name every single position on the football team. All 53 men? I mean, how many guys would you say are got to keep guys or I'm fine at that position group? There's not many. So it's gotten to the point with this season where so many people are just indifferent at the results. Yesterday, I'm sitting them sitting there watch Tyreek Hill run by Quan Martin with no safety help over the top. I should be incensed at this. That is stupidity from the coaching staff. Jack Del Rio's out of town. Ron, that's on you, dude. And what was I doing? <laughs> Whatever. Doesn't matter. And you want to know what's bad? I'm not the only one in the fan base doing that. I know that's the case. And that's a bad spot to be when you're a franchise where people become indifferent. It's better that they're angry because it means they care. When people start turning into indifferent, that's when you start seeing ticket sales drop. That's when you start seeing people not show up to the stadium. That's when you start seeing sales on everything, including merch drop, because they don't care anymore. And that's where I think a lot of people have gotten. And guess what? A lot of that energy got brought back because Dan Snyder sold the freaking team. Let's go! And then this. This. And I'm not blaming the Harris ownership group. I'm not. I understand all this. And this is kind of what we basically signed up for, right? Harris took over the team a week before training camp. It's not like he can go out and bring in a new head coach. I get that there's not a whole lot that he could have done. But this is why I thought this year was so pivotal and important is you got a lot of energy back from the fan base. And it might get zapped out again. Now, it might be something that it's, all right, you guys just have to understand and you bring in a new GM, he drafts a new quarterback. Maybe it is a Drake May or a local kid, Caleb Williams, and you bring some of that excitement back and, who knows, maybe three and four years down the road, this team is a playoff team. Awesome. But I'm telling you right now, on the roller coaster ride, I want to get off. I, I want to get off the roller coaster ride. I'm done with it. I can't wait for the offseason. I cannot wait until we get to January and we watch playoff football and I get to enjoy just sitting there and watching other teams. I can't wait for that. But watching this team every Sunday has become a chore. It's become a chore. You can break down everything, but there's so much bad going on, it's almost hard to find the good. It's just become a horrible season for this team. I'm done with it. There's a lot of hope in the future. There really is. I'm really excited about what this team can be down the road. But what this season has become is an absolute joke. An absolute joke. And I just want it to be done. Take a break. When we come back, I do want to get to some of your phone calls. You can feel free to tweet at me at Toby underscore Altizer. You want to call in 800-636-1067. We'll get to some of your phone calls next here on The Fan. Welcome back. 1067 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up until Caps Hockey. till 845 right here on The Fan. 800-636-1067. 
Give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can also tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. We're going to get into the Sam Howell discussion because I feel like that's kind of inevitable when you start looking towards the future. I also want to talk about Eric Bieniemy. I'm kind of, I might be out on him. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit as well. But let's get to some of your phone calls. Let's get out to Super Dave in Waldorf. First question, though, Dave. What makes you Super Dave? Man, because I'm super at everything I do. Toby, <laughs> what up, though? What's going on, man? Nothing much. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, real quick, uh, Washington Nation, man. I just want everybody to understand this is a process that we have to trust. I want everyone to realize four games this year that we played were one-possession games that we lost. We lost to the Eagles, 34-31. We lost to the Eagles, 38-31. We lost to the Giants, 14-17. We lost to the Seahawks, 29-26. Those are four one-possession games. If you get a call, you get a flag, you, you get a turnover, what have you, the game could have swung our way. So I, And then now you're looking at an 8-5 and five football team. So I don't want people to panic. This is a process. I know it's been mediocrity over the last several years, over the last decade. Mediocrity, mediocrity. We're tired of mediocre, and we want best for our team. So I just feel like the season's been over after um, after we lost, you know, the Bears on primetime football, then you lose to the Giants twice. The season was over. But really quick, I think moving forward, we just need to take this season and evaluate this quarterback position. Is Sam Howell the man for the future? That's what we need to be looking at these next four games. The season is over. I like the fact that the Cardinals just won, so that's helping us out. You understand what I'm saying? So, fans, just everything will be okay. Don't panic. I think we'll be all right. Um, Just, you know, let's just see what the future holds. Let's see what they do in this draft with this new GM and, and, and this new coach. And one last thing, I just look at different franchises such as the Houston Texans, the Cleveland Browns, uh, 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 give me an, um, what's another one? Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns. Look at the Carolina Panthers. I just look at franchises who, who've been sorry for years and look at the Cleveland Browns now. Look at the Houston Texans now. Mm-hmm. I understand the glory days of the 80s and the, and the one Super Bowl in 91 or what have you. But 83, 87, 91, them days are over, okay? We have to rebuild this franchise and get it back up to, to, to the Redskins, the Washington Commanders that they are known to be. Hey, Toby, thanks for taking my call. And let me know, what do you think is Sam Howell? I know you're going to talk about Sam Howell in your next couple of segments, but that's the important key, Redskins Nation, Commanders Nation. Is Sam Howell your guy, and do you build around him? With them first couple draft picks, do we go get offensive linemen or do we go get playmakers? Thanks for taking my call, to- uh, Toby. No, I like it. Tober time. Thank you for taking my call, Toby. <laughs> Have a good one, bro. Appreciate it, Dave. Great call. Yeah, I mean, that's the question the rest of the way, right? I mean, we understand what the defense is. They're not going to improve just because Ron took over the play calling. And even if they do, who cares, right? It's all about Sam Howell. And so my thing is, and maybe we can talk about this. Feel free to call in if you'd like. What do you need to see out of Sam Howell the last four weeks? Because to me, I don't know that there's anything he can do that's going to change my mind. I feel like I've seen the good. I feel like I've seen the bad. I don't know that you can say that you can give him a full evaluation, but I think you can kind of understand the framework of what he is. Is he going to be a top five quarterback? Probably not. Unless something drastically changed, I don't see him being a top five quarterback. Is he a guy that should not be a starter in this league? I don't know that you can go that far either. I think if you were to put him in the right system 
and have him speed up some of those processes a little bit, give him a more improved offensive line. I don't know if he has the perfect marriage in terms of player and play caller with the enemy. I'm not sure if it's the perfect one. I think that you can look either way on Sam Howell. And I don't like... I know it's not great radio. I know it's not great media coverage. I know it's not something that gets you excited. It's not something that's going to make you click on an article. That's why I'm not a journalist like that. I can't write anyways. But to be honest with you, I'm kind of down the middle on Sam Howell. You know, if they were to decide that they need to move up and draft Caleb Williams or Drake May if the opportunity was presented them, I think I'd be totally fine with it because I don't think Sam Howell's shown you enough to feel like he has to be the guy. But then at the same point, if they were to say, we're going to take Fashanu out of Penn State to solidify left tackle, or we're taking Alt out of Notre Dame to make sure that we solidify the offensive line, and we'll stick with Sam Howell at quarterback, I think I'd be fine with that too. I think that Sam Howell's at a point right now where it's an okay decision to roll with him at quarterback next year. It's also an okay decision to go out and draft a guy. And, you know, we can have that discussion more in the offseason of which guys would you take over Sam Howell? Because to me, there's only, there's two obvious ones. If you want to start making some debates about some other guys, maybe you can get into that at a later date. Caleb Williams, Drake May, those two guys for sure I'll take. The rest, I'm fine with sticking with Sam Howell because I think he's shown you enough. I mean, even yesterday, I didn't think he had a good game, but the rushing touchdowns were great. And there were some plays where he'd get outside the pocket, and you can tell he's starting to grow in that aspect. So I think you can see growth from Sam Howell, but at the same point is the deficiency of the sacks and not getting the ball out, and now the interceptions being as high as they are. Is That That something? wasn't just an interception. That was a bad pick six. Yeah, is that something that's going to really make it so that you say that can't be the guy? And that's why I think it's nice for us because we can have these debates. We can talk about all these things. But the reality is, because we watch this team every single Sunday, because you kind of know the backstories, you follow the social media, you read all the articles, you read all the little clippings about these various guys, you get an attachment to them, right? That's going to be the nice part when all this stuff happens at the end of the season and Josh Harris brings in a new general manager. He's going to come in with a fresh slate, and he's going to say, this is how I evaluate them. He's going to come in with the book that. You know, if you hire the Eagles guy, he's going to come in with the book that the Eagles had and said, this was our opinion of Sam Howell. I don't think he's the guy. All right, then. Let him make the decision. I think that's what's going to be nice to see. It's maybe going to be eye-opening for some guys on how they view them, but I think that's going to be the way it gets approached in the offseason. A general manager is going to come in, and he's going to have the ability to say, I don't want this guy. This guy has to stay. Sam Howell's the guy. Sam Howell's not the guy. So I think for us... It's just about seeing more of Sam Howell. But to me, I don't know that there's something in the last four games coming out of the bye that's going to drastically change my opinion. Now, if he comes out and throws for 400 yards the next four games, fine. Then maybe it's like, oh, he's got to be the guy. But I don't necessarily see that happening. I mean, if he has four more games like he did yesterday, again, I don't think I'm like, oh, he cannot be the guy. I think you've seen flashes. I think you've seen some bad things. So I'm kind of in the middle on Sam Howell. We'll continue the conversation. You want to hop in, 800-636-1067. You can also tweet at me at Toby underscore Altizer. We'll continue talking about Sam Howell, but I want to talk about Eric Bieniemy. Are you out on him now? Because I think I'm starting to see a little bit of what EB's offense is, 
and I don't necessarily love it. We'll talk about that next here on The Fan. Welcome back. Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up until 845. Leading you up until Capitals Hockey. They're wrapping up their five-game West Coast road trip. Looking to bounce back from the loss to the Golden Knights the other night. Hopefully they can get it done tonight before they head home to take on the Stars on Thursday. But we're talking about the Commanders. Feel free to hop in if you'd like. 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can also tweet at me at Toby underscore Altizer. So a couple of things. They kind of go hand in hand. What are your thoughts on Sam Howell, and what do you need to see the last four games, or does what he does the last four games really change your opinion of whether he should be the guy next year or not? And I kind of think that's the real discussion to have. You can talk about long-term. It's really, is he the guy next year or not? That's kind of where I'm at. So is he the guy still next year? Do you want to draft a quarterback? We can have that discussion. Feel free to call in about that. But I do want to talk about Eric Bieniemy as well, and we're starting to kind of get a full season's look at Eric Bieniemy's own offense. Not Reed with Bieniemy, but Bieniemy all by himself, kind of calling the plays, making sure, ma- making all the decisions. Essentially, this is his offense now, and I don't know that I love it. But I, I, we'll get into that in just a second. But first, let's get out to Robert, who is in Dallas. Robert, what's going on, man? Man, first time caller, brother. Love the show. Thank you for taking Appreciate me. It. Um, Hey, the caller that called in before about us being patient, one of the best calls I've heard, very insightful, very intelligent. Um, Let me say this. I think the last thing we need to do is worry about Sam Howe. Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells, Joe Gibbs, but I'm going to stick with Jimmy. Jimmy said when he was building that Dallas team, we need to build a team to beat Philadelphia. So I think we need to look at our competition. Besides Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy, who does not get enough credit, there are no quarterbacks in the NFC that have a stranglehold on this conference. So we're good right there. We need to focus on building around this kid. An offensive line, hopefully we can do that in free agency. But most importantly, we need to find us an alpha, especially at the wide receiver position. I've been out on Terry McLaurin for a very long time. And speaking of Eric Bieniemy, listen, as a brother, I was pulling for him. I, I, I just got to keep it real. I want to see this guy get a head coaching job, mm-hmm. but not here. I have been very unimpressed. If you look at Scott Turner, we had 18 points a game, then 19 points a game. And I believe right now we're right at 19 points a game. This is inexcusable. I would, I would challenge anyone, if you want to defend Eric Bieniemy, tell me an identity of our offense. We don't have one. Just just tell me, except for the fact that he loves to go to De'Ame Brown for whatever freaking reason this man's in love with this guy. But I'm, I'm really upset with him. So let's rid of, get rid of this regime. Let's build around Sam Howell. Give him a shot. And if we do that, I think we're going to be okay, hopefully. But again, brother, thank you for taking my call. I'm listening to you here in Dallas in the enemy's uh, land, but I'm still a Redskin for life. Later. Appreciate it, Robert. Yeah, I mean, I got an uncle that lives down in that area. Proudly repping Washington, Burgundy, and Gold Gear. Love it. Love it. Love it when you can hear from down in enemy territory. Now, the big thing is, hopefully they're not having a parade at any time soon. And then you can really rep your stuff and not worry about it. Because it's not like they've won anything anytime soon either. So, let's get back into Sam Howell, though. Here's the thing with Sam. I think he's fine. I think he can grow. I don't know that he ever gets you to that top level. And here's my thing. We'll talk about this a little bit more later in terms of ranking offseason priorities. A lot of people are going to say offensive line top priority. 
And I don't necessarily disagree to an extent because, yes, you're going to need an offensive line regardless of whether Howell is the guy or not, but it's still got to be quarterback. Like, as much as you want to build up the team, I understand all of that. Quarterback is still the most important position on the field. And so they're going to have to figure out the quarterback position. They're going to have to make a decision. Is it Howell? Is it a guy in the draft? Is it a free agent if they want to go that route? They're going to have to make that decision. And so I think quarterback's still at the top of the list. I don't disagree that you're going to have to bolster the offensive line. The reality is you're going to have to fix the offensive line. You're going to have to make sure they have the appropriate players on the outside, the playmakers. You're going to have to improve at tight end. You're probably going to have to bring in another running back because I assume Gibson's done at the end of this year with his contract being up. So you're going to have to make some moves to improve the offense so that you can truly evaluate because as much as people love to dismiss the offensive line struggles at times, you you hear it on the station, you hear it in articles, sometimes even people in just general conversation might bring it up as well. But sometimes people like to dismiss the offensive line notion when they're talking about Sam Howell and his development and how he's looked this season, but it really has been a bad offensive line. And so I'm not going to say that you can't evaluate Sam Howell because that's not true either. You know, you're not always going to have perfect perfect protection. You're going to have to get the ball out. But I do think if you could improve the offensive line, you could allow him to thrive more. I mean, yesterday I'm watching the Niners and the Eagles, and maybe it works some with how the Niners were pass rushing, but Jalen Hurts had like five, six, seven seconds back there. Not saying that's normal. I, I get that that's not normal. But when was the last time Sam had time where he was just standing back there like, let me go to read one, two, three, four, five, back to one, back to two, up, oh, check down. When's the last time he had time to do that? I'm not saying that's normal, but it seems like at least once or twice a game, every other team, or at least the good teams have that, right? At least once a game. And think about some of the good plays that Sam has had this year. It's when, oh yeah, that's right, he's had time. He can maneuver a little bit in the pocket and then drive a ball down the field. So I do think he's shown some things. I don't think he's shown enough to prove that he's fully the guy, and that's why I think you would go into next year with him being your starter, but not for sure being the guy the year after that and being your franchise guy. But, I mean, I think that he's shown bits and pieces. But I don't know that the notion that you should not focus on quarterback is the right one because, to me, quarterback still drives this ship, right? He's the captain. He's the guy that's in charge. Now, you need all the tools around him. That's 100% accurate. But that's why I think they're in a decent spot. And I was listening to a podcast from a couple of NFL scouts, and they were talking about, or former NFL scouts, and they were talking about how this draft has a lot of really good offensive tackles. He said he'd even give seven guys an offensive tackle grade of a first-round grade. Seven offensive tackles, a first-round grade. So maybe that means you can get one in the second round. So I think they're going to be in a fine spot where – realistically, right now, they're drafting fourth overall. Yeah, they'd probably have to move something to try to get up to one or two if they want to take Williams or May, but it's not like they're drafting 10th, and they're going to have to mortgage their entire future to move up a couple of spots. Yeah, it might cost you a one in the future, but it's not three ones. It's not four ones, right? So I think they're going to be in a fine spot, but I do think that quarterback still has to be at the top of the list in terms of priorities. But I do want to get into Eric Bieniemy because to me, when you look at Bieniemy, the most troubling part for this for me 
was the assumption I made that when he came in here, it wasn't going to be a cookie-cutter offense of Andy Reid's. It was going to be adapted to what Washington's personnel was. I, 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 don't, I don't think I was wrong in assuming that either, right? We've seen Kansas City adapt throughout the years. Think about what they were with Tyreek Hill, and then they won a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. And it wasn't the same offense. They had to change things around. They had to move some things around. They were more, look at this year even, they, last night's game. They didn't win, but they had to run the ball a little bit more. So you see the evolution of offenses, and it kind of fits to their, their skill players, right? I think that's how you can tell the difference between a good coach and a great coach or even a bad coach is can the coach adapt to what he has? You know, in college, it's different because you can recruit perfectly to your system, right? You know, certain teams just run this same thing year after year after year. I mean, think about in basketball for years with Bayheim. You knew that you needed to get long wings. Why? Because you were going to play the 2-3 zone, right? You can recruit to that. But when you get to the pros, you can do that to an extent, but sometimes you just got to get talent on the field somehow, some way. And it might not be a perfect fit. And that's where I think you can see the difference between a good coach and a great coach and why Belichick for years was one of the best coaches, if not the best coach of all time, was because what he did was he found what the strengths of the players were and he built it around that. And yes, it needed to work against how the team he was playing right and the way that he could work around that, but he didn't put guys in inopportune spots and he featured the guys that he needed to feature. The problem is when Eric Bieniemy came into this offense, and you looked at a depth chart, just think about how you would have made this offense. If I gave you a piece of paper with these all, all these guys, and you see you got Brian Robinson as RB1, you got Antonio Gibson as RB2, you got a pretty porous offensive line, you've got a tight end one of Logan Thomas, you've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, they've passed the ball a lot. So I think generally you would think it's going to be a pass-first offense when you listen to that personnel. But it's also not getting the ball to Terry McLaurin enough. And I think that's something that's really held this offense back. You've got to feature your best players. Brian Robinson has had a good year this year. But how many other guys this year have you felt have overachieved or gone above their expectations or even reached their expectations? How many? I think B-Rob? I, th I think it's those, like, third and fourth receivers because they're Samuel? the ones getting all the balls instead of, you know, the one and two. Yeah, Curtis Samuel, Jahan sure hasn't. Pringle? I, I cannot believe how many catches I've seen Pringle yeah. make, you know? J Jahan hasn't reached his expectation. Terry hasn't reached his expectation. So I think the issue has become maybe he molded it wrong or maybe it just doesn't fit. Maybe the system is wrong. But I don't like the fact that you're paying so much at wide receiver to Terry McLaurin and you're spending a first-round pick last year on Jahan Dotson, and those guys just aren't being featured. Terry didn't have a catch yesterday. That's unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. And I just don't... It's gotten so bad in D.C., and this is how you know it's gotten bad. There were two guys you could tell. If things turned and they started criticizing two guys, then it's gotten to the absolute worst and kind of goes back to what I talked to open up the show. John Allen was one. And I think we've seen a turn on John Allen, but the absolute last guy I expected to see this fan base, and not even just a small small minority, like 
there's a bunch of people turning on this guy. Terry McLaurin, of all people. You see people saying, oh, 17's not even that good. What 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 happened? Like, I get that he has not put up the numbers, but part of me thinks it's just got to be the offense because this guy has done it year after year after year after year with different quarterbacks who all suck. And I think we can all agree. That, or maybe we don't agree, but I would think that Sam's an upgrade over what he's been playing with. And yet somehow Terry is not putting up the numbers he's put up in years and somehow everyone's decided it's Terry's fault. Well, you got to get the ball to him if you want him to put up numbers. I mean, that's a thing. I agree. There's got to be a way. And so, to me, that falls on EB. To me, that falls on EB. I don't know if it's because Terry's just running deeper routes. I don't know if it's because he's the... I I don't know if it's the distraction. He's running the clear out so that the eight-yard in is wide open to Deami Brown. I don't know. I, I can't diagnose it all, but... To me, if you would have handed me a sheet of paper with all of these playmakers, I would have said, you know what? Mark it down, 10 targets every single game to my number one, Terry McLaurin. It's just crazy how many yards Howell has thrown for this season and how few of those have gone to McLaurin. I mean, that just would you have thought that at the beginning of the season with those those numbers, you know? And think about what we loved about Terry, or not Terry, Sam, coming out of last year. Yes, it was one game. But think about the completion down the sideline right into the breadbasket of Terry McLaurin. This year, this team has not had a reception from a wide receiver of 40 yards. Not one single time. And guess what? That doesn't mean it has to travel 40 yards in the air. Because guess what? I've seen McLaurin catch the ball in a slant and take it 30, right? It's not that difficult to get that one time. You couldn't get Curtis Samuel free. You couldn't get Jahan Dotson free one time. And look, Terry's not without blame here. I thought he should have caught the ball yesterday when they threw him the deep shot. Terry's dropped some passes that have been right in his breadbasket. Terry hasn't been up to the standard that we're used to seeing from number 17. I get that. But he's still your top guy. And if you think that he's just suddenly fallen off a cliff and is one of the, he's just a mid wide receiver too. That's not the case. You've got guys, I've seen it on Twitter. You've got guys from other teams saying, man, what if we had Terry McLaurin on this team? There's plenty of other teams clamoring for Terry McLaurin. So don't turn on him. This is why I think that Eric Bieniemy is kind of failing right now. It, it looked like things were starting to get going. You started to see some evolution. I think you're starting to see a regression. And it's probably mostly because you're not getting the ball into your best player's hands. You're making it all have to depend on Sam Howell, and that's not the way that it should be. It should be riding on all of your best player's shoulders, starting with your top guy, your top paid guy, Terry McLaurin. And he he didn't have a catch yesterday. He didn't have a catch yesterday. Did you expect to beat the Miami Dolphins without getting the ball once to Terry McLaurin? Do you expect to beat anybody without getting the ball once to Terry McLaurin? And this isn't just a Terry thing either. Like I said, did Jahan Dotson just forget to how to run routes? Is he suddenly the worst receiver on this football team? Because it's at, at times it feels like it, right? I don't know where he went. Where's number one? I feel like sometimes I need to show up to Ashburn wearing my Jahan Dotson jersey to remind them that he's still on the football team. So I think it's got to come back to the offensive coordinator. And that's on EB. You've got to find a way to get your best players to football. This isn't... College. This isn't high school. College, you can win with your system. Look at Oregon all those years with Chip Kelly, right? 
awesome. You win with your system. How many of those guys that were in his system went on to be meaningful, great, all-pro type players in the NFL? Not many. And that's not, I'm not hating on the players. But look what happened when Chip Kelly came to the pros. He took over the Eagles and said, my system is what wins football games. He said, adios to Sean Jackson. Adios to these other guys. Look what happened. It didn't work. This is the pros. The guys that get paid $20, $25 million, those are the ones that have to be featured. Guess what? Terry's getting paid $20, $25 million. You got to feature him. You can't just say, you know what? We're going to go to De'Ami Brown. You know what? We're going to go to Brian Robinson and other guys. I love those guys. Terry McLaurin's your top dog. Get him the football. And Spurrier tried doing the system thing here, too. You know, and and that did not work either. No, it's the pros. I'm sorry. It's about the players. It's about the players. Let's get out to these phone calls real quick. Let's get out to Ronald in Greenbelt. Ronald, what's going on? Hey, Toby, how you doing? Doing great, man. What's going on? Yeah, so it's some big mess. I don't know. Draft. You have to get like a Trent Williams type tackle, I'm assuming, in the first two or three rounds. Really look hard for somebody like that, you know, because since he left, it's kind of like they not really solidified that position. In my opinion, you know, you have to protect the quarterback's backside and run to it. Look what San Fran did. They ran that side mm-hmm. where he was at like 40% of the games. You have to be complex, I don't know. And everything else is literally up in the air. You can make those wholesale changes. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, as much as we want to talk about the new age of football, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes, you pass the ball more than ever, but it still starts up front. Look at Philadelphia. I think we all agree that they're one of the top teams in the league. Look at their offensive line. Look at their defensive line. That's their bread and butter. Look at San Francisco, the team that just beat them. Offensive line, defensive line, right? Look at the year that the the Bengals went to the Super Bowl or the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. They're not able to win. Why? Offensive line is shoddy. So you might have an all-pro quarterback in Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. It doesn't matter. They're not good enough to overcome a bad offensive line. So I 100% agree that outside a quarterback and making the decision there that both lines really need to be a priority. Let's get out to Yared in Arlington. What's going on, man? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Well, I agree with you 100%. I mean, uh, look, a couple, I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, New England went like, what is it, 16, 17, and 0. But Giant had the best defensive front. They won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go too far. Look at yesterday. When the Miami quarterback sit back there, I bet you he could have called and ordered a piece and still <laughs> throw the ball. Nobody got close to him. So my thing is, we have to start from the line unless unless this receiver dropped to us, a Harris guy from Ohio State, then you cannot pass on him. As far as the coaching concern, Beamish always said when you're a coach, you have to work to the talent of your team. Mm-hmm. But in EBK's I think he's stubborn enough like my you know, my system work. I know he's like, you know, uh, looking for a head coach, so he gotta show something. When you play in Dallas in the big stage on Thanksgiving, you have third and one and fourth and one. If you cannot get a first down, I'm sorry. I don't think you deserve to be a head coach. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I, I don't even know that coordinators that struggle with those sorts of things are necessarily being stubborn as much as maybe they just are limited in their abilities. I mean, the same way that a player can be limited on his abilities, a coach can be limited, right? not saying that he's dumb or anything but he's obviously a professional coach I'm just saying maybe he doesn't have the special kinds of minds like you're seeing with the McDaniel and those and that's why I think 
when you find that perfect marriage of a player working perfectly in a system with the play caller, you get something like you see in San Francisco in Miami. But you also have to make sure that you either find the right guys to fit or adapt your system. That's why I think it's so impressive when you see coaches that are able to say, let's change these things. I understand that John Harbaugh is not necessarily the one that's calling the plays in Baltimore, but I think the perfect example of this is when they went from Flacco to Lamar Jackson midseason. They didn't try to put Lamar Jackson into Joe Flacco's offense. They said, no, we're scrapping all of Flacco's stuff and turning this over to Lamar Jackson and turning it into Lamar Jackson's system. And so I think what you've seen here is they've taken a lot of what Kansas City does, and they watch a lot of Kansas City tape, which is awesome. But the problem is you don't have Travis Kelsey here. So you can't just say we're going to feature the tight end in this way. But in some ways, you look at what they had last year, you would think that you'd take Terry McLaurin over this current iteration of Juju Smith-Schuster. You would take Jahan Dotson over whoever their second wide receiver was last year. And yet they're not featuring them. Why? Because Kansas City didn't feature them last year. So you've got to find a way to adapt your things to your players. I think that's 100% right. And I think, again, that's what separates the good coaches from the great coaches or the average to bad coaches from the good coaches. Can you adapt to what your players have at the professional level? And I don't know if we've seen that from Eric Bieniemy because if we were seeing it, Terry McLaurin would be having 10 targets a game and he'd be approaching that 1,000-yard mark. I, I think the big issue with it, though, with what you're saying is you have to be able to assess talent on your team very well to do that, and they may not be able to do that on our team. And that's <laughs> that, that, that might be well part might be of the, the case, But as much as you need to be able to assess talent, you can also go back and look at the stats, right? It, like, I, I might not be the best talent evaluator. Like, if you sent me out to a high school right now and said, can you tell me if this guy's a D1 talent or not? I might not be able to tell you. I but might if you be... look at the analytics of football. <laughs> yeah. But I can go back and look and see that Terry's put up 1,000-yard season after 1,000-yard season. And it's some, it's something where maybe you want to send him down the field. I think Terry can be a really good deep threat. I th- we've seen it time after time. I was in Indianapolis last year, got to see him rip the ball away from Stephon Gilmore. That was awesome. But Terry can run a slant. How many times have you seen Terry run a slant this year? I've seen him catch a couple to pick up some first downs late in games. Why isn't he running one in the first half? Why isn't he running one just to get the ball in his hands? Yesterday, why isn't he running one just so he can touch the ball? I don't know, man. And this is kind of why I'm a little bit, I don't know. I I like Eric Bieniemy. I I think he's a good coach. And I don't doubt that if you put the right system and everything with him, that I'm sure he could make things work. But I'm not sure Sam's the right quarterback, quarterback for his system. And I don't know that he's adapted to the guys that are here. So I would not be surprised at all if you brought in a new offensive mind and next year Terry McLaurin's right back to being the Terry that you know and love. Take a break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about this. Also want to talk about offseason priorities. How would you rank them? I think you could look at every position on this roster and say it probably needs to be upgraded. But how would you order the priorities of that this offseason? We'll talk about it next here on The Fan. 